Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into the VolQuest podcast. I'm Eric Kane with Brent Hubs, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis. Tennessee set to take on LSU this weekend down uh, in the bayou, a noon Eastern kick, 11 a.m. local time. Really excited about that. But a big game for Tennessee, 4-0, and and looking to stay undefeated heading into a 3.30 CBS kick against Alabama the following week. $1 for one year. Go ahead and jump on into it if you haven't already and always support the the uh, the VolQuest on YouTube as well by searching VolQuest. Brent Hubs, a big week for Tennessee, uh, a chance to get healthy over the bye week. There were some injury updates from Josh Heupel on Monday and as Tennessee continues to roll on into a conference play, second game of the SEC slate coming up this weekend. Yeah, I mean, Eric, I'm I'm sorry you're disappointed with a 11 a.m. Central noon start in uh, Baton Rouge and Tiger Stadium. But having been there for multiple night games, I am elated with the fact that it's going to be beignets and uh, the Vols and for breakfast Listen, in from Baton a, Rouge. From a Tennessee standpoint, that's a great thing. I just wanted, selfishly for me, I just wanted to see a night game at LSU. But I get it. I get it. The noon game is a huge win. I've we'll send it. you. We'll send you down there for the Southern game next year when they get together and play in that festivity. Um, I'm with AP. I've seen it. I've lived it. I don't have any desire to see it again. Rob Lewis, uh, I guess you've seen it and lived it as well. Not a lot of desire to go back and see it again. So um, for the volunteers, it's a great thing. On the injury front, no surprise on Warren Burrell. Uh, Knew he was going to miss for an extended period of time and and likely the year after the shoulder uh, surgery that he had. Josh Heupel announcing that, obviously, on Monday. I think the interesting thing is with Cedric Tillman, what, what does running around, what do you call it, Austin, running, running around, around a little bit, moving around a little bit? I don't know what moving around a little bit means. The biggest question um, is, Hubs, is, is he in a regular shoe? Because last week he had, he was in a in a boot on a scooter. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, my guess is he's probably advancing towards that. It's just, I, I don't, to me it seems a little bit, I will say far-fetched, but a little bit extreme to think uh, that, that two weeks removed from tightrope surgery on his ankle, that, that he could be ready to play and be effective as a player um, on Saturday morning. I guess stranger things have happened. Uh, I, I think that the, the more ideal, more realistic timeline is probably Alabama for Cedric Tillman to be back. But we'll see where that looks like at the end of the week. I think Dylan Sampson should be good to go. Uh, and the biggest news is what what does the D Williams news mean, right? Uh, Austin, I mean, what what, is, what does that mean for Tennessee's secondary? How much can he play? How effective could he be? Uh, I, I think that's the biggest injury update coming out of Josh Heupel on Monday. Yeah, I mean, the biggest question is is what would he give you? You know, uh, no one knows. I mean, he could go out there and be Daryl Green. He could go out there and you know play O'Day defense and let him go right by him. I mean, you don't know because he's not played in this league. He's shown flashes um, 
you know, at points, you know, during spring and, and, and through the summer. But then, you know, basically, basically missed all the fall camp and, you know, or thereabouts. And so I, I, I'm with you. I just that, – that, that's a huge unknown. Josh Heupel said, though, if they felt like he could pull – you know, was ready mentally and physically, he wouldn't have no hesitations about putting him out there. But, Rob, I mean, everybody – Everybody helps. Every extra body helps back there, given where Tennessee secondary has been and, and kind of what they've shown or haven't shown through four games this season. Yeah, I, th- I mean, all hands on deck. And, you, you know, I don't think you know, Warren Burrell had not gotten off to a great start, but with what they've looked like in the secondary, that, that injury's a blow. I mean, just as you're talking about, not having the bodies. And, you know, the frankly, the reluctance they have shown to play, you know, a, a lot of guys you know, back there, especially at safety. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to see if Williams helps. I'll be interested to see if they give him a chance to help. But if he is healthy, you know, you, you essentially had two weeks to get ready for LSU. This would seem to be a pretty good spot to, you know, maybe see what he's got because you are getting ready to come through the you know, the gauntlet portion of your SEC schedule. Yeah, and I think it's a situation, too, where you're going to walk before you run. I mean, I wouldn't expect D. Williams to be out there play number one. I wouldn't expect D. Williams to be out there for 50 plays on Saturday. Of course, we could be wrong on that, but that's not my expectation. But getting him back into the fold of things, Brent, I do agree with you in terms of, I mean, every readily body uh, available is going to help right now because you were, I mean, it's not like you were feeling really, really good about what you had a cornerback to begin the season, but at least you had some options. But now with Warren Burrell, who's basically been a four-year starter for you out for the rest of the season, you have Kamal Hat in there, which is good. But you don't want to get in a situation to where you're playing Brandon Turnage and, and Deshaun Rucker at the same time, uh, like for a couple of plays Tennessee did uh, against Florida. It, it wasn't long, don't get me wrong, but still, it was on one of those drives they scored on. Those two guys were on the field at the same time. You know What can D. Williams give you? And then more so defensively, too, you know, moving forward throughout the season, could he potentially help on special teams? Could he be as a punt returner, give you something there. I mean, he was one of the best kick returners and punt returners in the country and the junior college ranks. But I think it's going to be a walk-before-you-run type situation, but I think it'll be a good thing, Brent, that Tennessee will likely have him available on Saturday. Well, the fact of the matter is somebody's got to step to the forefront. I mean, I mean, somebody's got to step forward. I mean, Christian Charles has got to play better. Uh, Brandon Turnage, you, you know, everybody's asked, where was he? Where is he? Maybe we know now why he wasn't higher up on the depth chart, but the window is here. I mean, this is – you can't ask for a better opportunity than, than what you got right now. It, it's completely out in front of you. The question is, are you going to go do anything with it? And uh, I, I think that's the message to those guys. They had an open date to try to figure some things out and, and determine what they can do and who can help. But there's not if there's a cornerback at the end of the year that complains about lack of playing time, I don't think they got anybody to blame but themselves for, for not going out and earning it because there's not been a more – an open opportunity for playing time at a position than Tennessee's got at cornerback right now. Yeah, I agree with that. <clears throat> the words open opportunity are, are a perfect way to describe it because nobody has been consistent enough. You know, even Kamal Haddon, you know, who you know has shown flashes of being really good, has also had some terrible moments as well. You know, you got to be more consistent. So I, I'm with you. I, I think that, that everybody um, – including D Williams has an opportunity who steps forward, who who can make a play. And, you know, uh, I know Eric brought it up last week, you know, I mean, I'd be looking at all available bodies, but you know, like Danico slaughter, whoever, but again, at this point, I think you are kind of who you are back there to me. You better figure out how to 
get home more and, you know, influence the the back end with your pass rush, which means to me he's got to be more Josh Josephs and, you know, getting home a lot more frequently. You know, Rob, I am looking forward to that matchup, and yeah, that's something, uh, you know, uh, Brent, whenever we were on the Rockets Top Rewind the other night with, uh, with Shea Dixon, he said, hey, the matchup of this game is going to be Tennessee's Hendon Hooker in the passing game against the secondary for LSU. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. But if you if you flip it over, you know, Tennessee in the secondary, kind of on this note, you know, one of the best wide receivers coming into the season, in my opinion, Keyshawn, Keyshawn Boutte or whatever his name is, he's been a complete non-factor so far this season. He's only played in four games, but has 97 yards, has failed to reach the, the end zone. I think they're trying to figure out that passing game with obviously a new quarterback, but not utilizing one of your best weapons has really kind of hurt you early on, in my opinion. And, and will that be the same case? I think for Tennessee, if, if you don't want to throw it to, to Keyshawn's way, then that, that, that'd be fine on their on their part. Yeah, well, I think we can all agree. If is going to have a coming out party, it's going to be on Saturday against Tennessee's yeah. pass defense. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what the over is on, on, on his passing yards, but I'll probably, I'd probably take it. And Daniel, you know, Daniel has, has been okay. He's been spotty. I don't think, you know, I really don't think he's a, he's a big threat to, to push the ball down the field you know, consistently. And, and I think that, you know, that hurts – Hurts Butte, um, and, and what he can give you, but um, I just, yeah, I mean, kind of not, not maybe not to the degree of Florida, but I think Tennessee's got a huge advantage at quarterback in, in this game, and you know, I, I think at the end of the day, that that's going to be the difference. Yeah, you know, what's interesting to me when you watch LSU, and and I mentioned this with Shea Dixon and the rewind, and and we've talked about it some and, and other places. There are there are moments where it looks good like when it all kind of comes together and, and, and it fits and, and you go, Hey, they figured this system out. Right. It, it, it's a little bit like maybe even when Dave Clawson was here, right. There, there was a, there was some drives where you go, okay, it's starting that they, they've clicked, it's figured out, but, but there's other times where that's not the case and it looks really, really rough. And, and I think that's what you're seeing with LSU is you're seeing times where the offense comes together and you go, okay, it's starting to really go the way it's supposed to. And then there's other times where you go, man, it's just not very good. And, and I think that's what you're dealing with with LSU's growing pains uh, in the passing game and, and Brian Kelly's system. Yeah, not only that, too. I mean, offensively overall, I mean, they, uh, again, they, they put up some points. They're averaging 35 points a game, over 400, nearly 450 yards of total offense. Uh, you got to throw the game out against Southern and New Mexico State, of course, just like Tennessee has to throw the the two games out against the MAC. Uh, but they – they can't find who their guy is on the ground either. I mean, Jane Daniels is by far the, the biggest run threat in that offense. He has 321 rushing yards. I think he has nearly 400 yards all told if you, if you take out the sacks, but uh, he is by and large their best runner. They've, they've looked at uh, Josh Williams. They've looked at John Emory Jr. Who's been a veteran there that missed all last year with an academic probation. They've looked, they've looked at Amani Goodman at Noah Kane. All those guys have about 30 attempts on the season, but they haven't really solidified their guy at the at the running back position, and they're just kind of relying on Jaden Daniels to run the football. And I think that's why he didn't come back in and, and finish that game on Saturday because uh, Rob, I just I, I don't think he could go and give them that that threat. Uh, you know, it's a dual threat to, to try to beat well, Auburn. I mean, you kind of touch. I mean, he's got sixty rushing attempts on the year, and the next closest guy has thirty four. Yeah, that's I mean that that's pretty dramatic for a quarterback in, in the SEC. And I frankly, you know, I don't know if the, he'll have to pay the piper this week, but. I don't think that's sustainable in this league for, for a whole season. 
So something we've always been talking about going back to the Pittsburgh game when Tennessee just all out got after Keaton Slovis and then weren't as aggressive against Anthony Richardson. Brent, what do you think Tennessee is going to be dialing up defensively to combat a guy like Jane Daniels, who will likely be okay to play? He banged his knee there on Saturday, and Shea Dixon believes that he, he'll be uh, likely be good to go. We'll keep tabs on that this week. But what do you think Tennessee is going to do pressure-wise to try to get after Daniels? I mean, Austin, I think it's time to UBU, right? I mean, what, what what's the best thing you do? The best thing you do is is you attack and you play aggressive in your front seven. Uh, you know, look, look the first and, da- first and second down game plan against Florida worked really well. And then on third down, they couldn't get off the field because they can't, you know, they struggle so much in zone coverage. So they've either fixed a two-year woe of zone coverage because they weren't very good in third long situations a year ago. They were awful. Or, or they haven't. And if you haven't, then then I think, Austin, you turn it loose. And, and look, you may give up a scramble here and there, but you also may get home. I just don't know that, you know, rushing three, dropping eight, or rushing four, dropping seven into zone is the is the best way to for, for Tim Banks's for this group of guys to play defense for Tim Banks, based on what we've seen. It's it's not. Um, you know, they, they, they need to bring pressure. And, and as you said, if they, if they beat you a time or two, it's going to be okay. You just hope that it's 24-yard, you know, beat you and not a 74-yard beat you. Um, but I, I think Tennessee's got to get home because ultimately I think that, you know, even if he's running around and he looks to throw, it's probably going to be way more inaccurate on the run, running for his life, than sitting back there, you know, throwing to a target that's got, you know, six yards of cushion you know, built around him. Yeah, so like I, I'm with you. I, I bring the pressure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Rob, I mean, it's one thing if you, you to play zone, if you can make a guy have to make skilled throws, skilled throws, which is what they wanted out of Anthony Richardson, but but he didn't have to make a lot of skilled throws because the gaps were so big there. I mean, it, it that that plays into a hand of a quarterback who's got some accuracy issues because he just kind of kind of put it in a window. It doesn't have to be a real tight a real tight throw because you're not throwing over the top of a linebacker underneath the safety. You're throwing into a great void between the linebacker and the safety. There's a difference in how you have to throw the football there. If Tennessee could tighten it up. I just don't know if you can get that fixed this week. Yeah. I, I don't know either. I, mean, I, I thought they would be better in, in the in, in pass coverage and you know, that there's still time. They played four games, but they, they were the worst team in the sec last year in terms of yardage given up. They're right back there. This year, they're the only team in the league giving up over 300 yards a game. And what what scares you about that is it's not like they've been facing Dan Marino and, you know, John Elway and, and Joe Montana. <laughs> I mean, they played a hat. They played one half of football against, you know, Caden Slovis. Then they made Anthony Richardson look like, you know, the second coming of Aaron Rodgers in, in his prime with 450 yards, um, you know, in, in ball, ball state and, you know, move, move the ball a little in the air. I mean, they're they're giving up 309 yards a game to the air, and 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 right at seven yards of completion, which is is pretty healthy. I mean, when seven you, yards in attempt. Excuse me, big difference. Yeah, yeah. When you uh, when you flip the script though, and you look at Tennessee's offense, and Rob, you mentioned earlier that, and I mean, I would agree with you. And this is for just about every game Tennessee will play in. I mean. You know, the difference is a quarterback. You know, Tennessee's got one to Hendon Hooker, and he's 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 really, really good. Going up against a secondary, that is a whole lot of new faces. But they've all played a ton. A uh, bunch of transfers. Yeah, you look at – you look, you got two transfers from Arkansas, Joe uh, Fauci and uh, Greg Brooks, both starters from Arkansas. 
You bring in a couple of cornerbacks and Severin Banks, who actually got hurt the other night, but 15 starts at Ohio State. Makai Gardner, 19 starts at Louisiana. Uh, Jarek Bernard Converse, 47 straight starts entering the season at Oklahoma State. No Derek Stingley Jr., of course, but a lot of veterans, Austin, in that back end that have played a whole lot of football. I think are just still trying to figure out how to play together. But overall, that defense has looked pretty good. Yeah, it's patchwork, as, as Rob said. A lot of transfers. Um, you've seen that with USC. Um, so that helps you with, you know, with some bets that have played football. Maybe not, you know, in this league or in this type of atmosphere, but they played football um, at this level. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I think the secondary is still talented, but it's not what it has been. LSU's defense isn't what it has been. Again, told Hubs this when we're leaving the complex yesterday. LSU's defense has shows incredible flashes. A lot of it is B.J. Ojolari, who's who's you know a freak coming off the edge. But they also aren't what they were. Kind of like Florida. I think those two defenses are very similar. Like they're not what they have been the last fifteen years, but they still have talent. They still can totally wreck your season if you let them. But the depth isn't there at LSU or at Florida like it has been. So I, I, I don't think that it's the same. So, you know, I think for the secondary, you know, Tennessee will scheme it up. Golish and Hype will come up with a game plan. Interestingly enough, Auburn threw for 330 yards with a backup quarterback, whereas Mississippi State in the old air raid, they struggled. Will Rogers struggled against the secondary. Now, Mississippi State offensively and Tennessee offensively are not the same thing at all. So, um, you know, I still think that this tempo, if Tennessee can get it going early, will have a huge effect on LSU. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, LSU's not played tempo. I think that's an interesting storyline when you when you talk about this week. Florida State... Uh, had 71 snaps against them. Southern had 59. Mississippi State had 64. New Mexico only had 33 offensive snaps. Auburn had 70. Tennessee wants to get to the 80s if they can. They had 86 against Ball State, 77 against Pitt. Only 70 the last two games. Of course, part of that in the fourth quarter, Tennessee slowed you know the tempo down a good bit. They slowed the tempo down against Akron. But Tennessee wants to play up in the 80s. And, and can they get it there? And how does LSU react to, to that? The other thing, too, for me, Rob, this is by far the best quarterback LSU has played uh, in Hendon Hooker. And this is the first offense that they played that truly consistently tries to stretch the field. Florida State hit a deep ball against them, uh, but, but they don't – I mean, that's not Florida State's game, right? I mean, they're not consistently throwing 30-yard, 40-yard passes. So Certainly, you throw out Southern and, and New Mexico – 
Mississippi State's a control passing game underneath. So they yeah. haven't t- test had anybody really try to take the top off of this defense and, and stress the secondary that way. We'll see if Tennessee can do it. Yeah, and I, 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 look, this is my Hubbard stat of the week. I, Uh-oh, I, here we go. I had, had this one dialed up just on that very topic you were talking about. Mississippi State, the controlled passing attack versus Tennessee pushed it. Tennessee and Mississippi State are the only two SEC teams that are completing more than 70% of their throws. Actually, both right at 73%. But Tennessee averages 11.2 yards per attempt. And Mississippi State averages 7.2 yards per attempt. That's four yards per attempt difference is a huge difference for two squads. I mean, I, and it really paints the picture of what you're, you're talking about just exactly of, of how and, different those two approaches are. And it more yards a, per attempt. Yeah. And it paints the picture of how well Hendon Hooker's playing. I mean, as you pointed out in your story on Saturday, to complete 70-plus percent stretching the field and pushing the ball down the field vertically the way they are uh, tells you how well Hendon Hooker's playing right now compared to everybody else in this league at the quarterback position. And and had the tight end position uh, caught three or four of the passes early, it'd be even better than that. I mean, I, you know, because I mean, he tried to find Princeton Fant three or four times, and Fant, you know, had drops, you know, in those first couple of games. Yeah, T- Tennessee, the only team in the league that's averaging uh, more than ten yards per attempt, and then well, well over ten yards an attempt yeah. at eleven point two. And, and remember, Will Rogers completed, I think, seventy four percent of his passes a season ago, and I mean, that looks great on paper. It's not like it's it's not impressive, but as you guys are saying, a huge difference whenever you're pushing the ball downfield, and that's what Hidden Hooker's doing. Uh, just like what Josh Heupel said on Monday, um, you know, for Tennessee to be as good as it can be and for Tennessee to accomplish what it wants to, they got to run the football. Uh, nice running by Jabari Small in the second half against Florida. Got 40 of that off one run, but uh, Tennessee's going to have to be physical. Tennessee's going to have to run the football outside of just Hendon Hooker. Uh, but, Brent, I feel like the, the run game for Hooker as well as the rest of the backs are going to have to be big on Saturday against LSU. Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see how much they run Hooker and and, and how how is, is that going to be much more of a spot moment type thing or is that going to be a part of the game plan the way it was against Pittsburgh and the way it was against Florida? I, I think that's going to be curious to see. I think Hendon Hooker's healthy, but, but a little bit scary what happened in the Florida game because Tennessee offensively changes dramatically, Rob, if Hendon Hooker's not in there. So if you're Alex Golish and Josh Heupel – do you dial back the quarterback run in, in any way with this offense to try to make sure you got Hendon Hooker for 12 games and, and you don't have him beat up late in the year? Man, I mean, I'm, I take a look at it, Hubbard. I mean, you, gotta, you, you have to play to win the game, but I probably don't go into it planning on, on him carrying it, you know, 10 to 12 times like he did against Florida. I mean, I think you have to use it. He's too good. It's too much a part of your offense. But – you know, if you're having any kind of success, just you know, traditionally with Small and Wright and, and, and Dylan Sampson, if he's available, then I, you know, I, I'd, I'd pull that back a little bit. And also, I mean, brother can help him help himself out by sliding a little bit, getting out of bounds. He still has not learned how to finish runs like a quarterback should. Because uh, I agree with you, Rob. I mean, if it's, I mean, if you're getting stuff on the ground, then, then stay with the tailbacks. But I mean, it's such a big and vital part of your offense, and it's. Um, it's where you get chunk plays to where, I mean, it's going to be in there in my opinion, but man, slide, get out of bounds, stop taking all those yeah. hits because they are ugly the way they finish. I mean, I, the one that I felt like gave him the problems at Florida. I mean, if I'm right, I mean, you know, he's never confirmed that it was that play. I mean, I think that was an avoidable hit. I mean, I think he could have gotten down. Um, you know, he took a big shot to his left throwing shoulder. And again, maybe 
maybe that's not the play that, that you know, dinged him up, but I felt like it was. And, and that was in the middle of the field. I'm pretty sure he already had first down yardage and, you know, could have slid. Yeah, he's got to get down. I mean, he's got to get out of bounds. He's got to get down and understand that um, there, don't, don't, don't open yourself up for, for more physical punishment to, to try to get another yard or two. Now, if it's fourth down and you're trying to move the sticks or it's a critical third down, that's, that's all good and well. I mean, those things are important. But learn to make sure you're, you're living for another day by, by getting out of bounds and sliding when the opportunity presents itself. If Tennessee wins, it's because of what, Austin? Oh, uh, I'm just going to go vertical passing game. I, I think that, you know, they have a chance to take the top off. Um, you know, even, even if Sed's not able to go, you know, I think Tennessee, you know, proved that they can move the ball through the air effectively. And so I'm just going to go, I mean, Hendon Hooker, which is a part of that vertical passing game. For, for me, I think it's, you know, one of the unwritten things in this deal is, is the turnover battle. Um, Tennessee's, yeah, got to do a good, Tennessee's got to do a really good job of taking care of the ball because I think LSU's opportunistic. They, they, I don't know that LSU can drive it 80 yards on you consistently, uh, but but they can make hay with 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 a short field. Tennessee, Tennessee's got to take care of the football. I think that's an important stat it's in this. Four game. to one with Auburn and LSU. Four turnovers for Auburn, one for LSU. Yeah, and that was the difference. I mean, that's how you come back from 17 points down is you turn it over. So. Uh, for for me, the turnover thing is is an, is a key stat. I know it is every game, but I think I think LSU creates a lot of juice off of off of creating turnovers uh, because their their offense has been inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I, I was going to say protect the football uh, because you have LSU team that's forced eight uh, fumbles. They've jumped on that football. They've intercepted what four different passes already this season. Um, so it, just protect the football. And I mean, Hooker's so good. At protecting the football, I mean, he's not perfect, and he won't be perfect. He will, he'll, he'll turn, the, he'll throw an interception this year. I mean, it's going to happen. That's football, right? But he does a great job of taking care of the ball, not putting it in harm's way, and not throwing it inside of a tight window. So, as aggressive as LSU's defense is, that was going to be mine. Rob is, is just protect the football, go do what you do, and, and get points, and that's what Tennessee will, you know, likely do on Saturday. What, what's a key for you, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I would obviously say turnovers, but th- I mean, don't give LSU anything cheap because I, like, yeah, to Hubbard's point, I. Don't, I don't think they're driving at 80 yards with any consistency. So don't, you know, don't lose your guy. Don't, don't have a bust in the secondary that turns into, you know, a 70 yard play because you missed a tackle or, you know, like the, like the big play the Pittsburgh kid had. Don't, don't make this offense go the long way. And I, you know, I think Tennessee, I, I think that really works to Tennessee's advantage. Yeah. I think the other key too offensively is Tennessee's got to win early, early downs on, on first down to, so they can get into tempo. Um, you know, we saw what happened when they couldn't do that at Pittsburgh. It was, it's not pretty offense, and you put your defense in a bad spot. So, uh, you know, win some early first downs and, and get the tempo working in your favor, I, I think is important, um, you know, for this offense as well. And you could say that for every game, but, but I think when you're playing a physical, aggressive defense the way LSU is, you, you want to try to get, you know, you want to try to get them on their heels. And the best way to get them on their heels is get the tempo going. So it's going to be Tennessee and LSU Saturday at the noon Eastern kick um, elsewhere around the SEC this past weekend. Austin, is, is Tennessee the third best team in the SEC right now, or is that just too much up in the air right now? Um, I mean, other teams can argue that, you know, Ole Miss is or so on and so forth. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, to me it's either Tennessee or Ole Miss, and I'd take Tennessee um, 
I think their body works better to this point. Um, you know, Ole Miss got, you know, you know, they were opportunistic when Kentucky turned the ball over down inside the 10 a couple of times uh, when they were driving. I, I would still take Tennessee over Ole Miss right now. So, yeah, everybody else has kind of, you know, got that, that loss on the on the schedule. What, what's crazy about this this league and crazy about college football in, in general, and I, I don't disagree with you, Austin, if Will Levis waits a half a second so Barry and Brown can set his back foot, Kentucky's unbeaten, ranked ahead of Tennessee – and they're touting themselves as, 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 you know, based on what Georgia did against Missouri, they're, they're clamoring that this is their year to win the East. Um, that, that's how crazy this game is. And that's how close things can be. And um, that's why you just can't make mistakes. You, you, you know, I, I hate to sound like a Butch Jones line here, Rob, but three or four plays make the difference. And um, that was certainly the case in, the, in that Kentucky game. And, and I think you're going to see that, as teams in this league beat each other up th- throughout the last two months of this season. Well, I, Rob, I, I think what we see every, every week is that the age, the coach adage that, you know, you know, we just got to be the best version of ourselves this week. It really proves to be true in modern day college football, because, you know, Georgia was as better, big a candidate as anybody of just roll the balls out and you're going to go win. Right. And, I mean, there they were, down 10, starting the fourth quarter at Missouri. I mean, nobody had that. So, I mean, you know, Tennessee could, you know, run the, you know, Tennessee could, you know, be 4-0, 3-1, or 2-2 two and two this month, potentially even 1-3, and three, you know. Um, they're not going to be 0-4 because uh, we're not going to lose to UT Martin. But, I mean, you know, it, no, there are no givens. And, and that w- same thing goes for, you know, let, let's play devil's advocate. Let's say Tennessee beats LSU, loses to Bama, beats Kentucky. That means they're going to Athens playing for the East, right? Well, just because even if you went down and won, there's no guarantee that you're going to, you know, get past South Carolina on the road. You should. 2016. You should. But, I mean, it's college football, more parity across the board every, every year. And so, you know, every every game is, is, is a different game. And so, like, you know, Tennessee should win this Saturday, but LSU is plenty capable of upsetting a top-10 Tennessee team. And, and they'll, they'll, they'll relish that chance. I think the Vols are the third best team in the league, but I also think it's an argument. I mean, I think they can lose to Ole Miss. They can lose to Kentucky. They can lose this weekend at LSU. I mean, I don't think there's a huge gap. And, man, you almost have to wonder if the gap that we all thought was there between Georgia and Alabama and the rest of the league actually exists. You know, both those teams have – early, and you know, maybe there's – maybe Georgia's just bored. I could, I could totally get that, I, you know. But they—they—that's two weekends in a row where where they have not come out and been the best version of themselves. I, I think Georgia's got to find some some explosiveness on offense. They're a little bit. I know Brock Bowers is a really good player. Washington's a good player. They got two good tight ends, but neither one of those tight ends are going you know probably 70, 80 yards on a deep ball. Um, they they got to get a little more explosive. I don't want to call them pedestrian, but they have to drive the ball a little bit more than than what I think you would like if you're Georgia. Um, meanwhile, I think Alabama's young receivers are starting to figure it out. Um, and, and, I, and, 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 you know, Gary Danielson might not want to acknowledge it, but I think Bryce Young's probably going to come back and, and play some football this year. Um, and, and, you know, s- despite what he said on the broadcast for 19 times um, about, about that injury being the most significant injury in college football, 
so I think Alabama's explosiveness on offense, which looked early in the season like it wasn't, Rob, where it has been, is starting to show up because the receivers are starting to get better. And the Gibbs kid is is obviously a good player. I, to me, Alabama looks like they're figuring it out. Um, Georgia, I don't know. They've got to get some more parts back at, at the receiver spot to become an explosive football team. Because I don't know that Georgia wants to be in a track meet with anybody right now offensively. No, I agree with you. And I still think those two are the best in the league. I mean, talent stamp, talent, talent wise, especially. But, but I don't know that the gap is what I thought it was a month ago. Now, I mean, a, a, a big question that's been asked over this past weekend, but seeing Georgia just not come out of the gates and just kind of look pedestrian and not good at points in time the last two weeks. Um, of course, Alabama had that scare from Texas earlier in the season. A question I've been asked a lot over the weekend and in the first part of the week is, does that change your opinion about Tennessee and these teams? And my response is always like, I think Tennessee's capable of beating anybody. Of course, with this offense, you can absolutely never count them out. Right now, I'm not, I'm not saying Tennessee will beat Alabama or Georgia. But, I mean, you got to – I mean, I, I think the opinion does change just a little bit, even though I still think Brent Georgia is going to be just fine. You got the depth. You've got the experience. And, like, they're not going to look like they did against Missouri the rest of the way. But I, I do think the opinion changes a little bit because they've looked like that for two weeks. Well, here's the thing, and, and this, is a, this is a credit to Nick Saban. Okay, let's, let's give Saban his credit. Alabama wins a championship. There's no drop-off the next year right? They're just captain consistency year in, year out, evolving however they need to evolve. It's hard to have that edge in any given year for 13 games or 15 games or whatever it is. It's really harder to have that edge when you're coming off a championship. I mean, just look at Tennessee's schedule in 99 coming off, and and the game's different, but here's 99. Tennessee beats Wyoming 42-17. They lose to Florida. The next week, they beat Memphis 17-16, thanks to Bobby Graham, um, baby. Bobby Graham's catch uh, in the all-orange uniforms. They beat Auburn 24 to nothing. Eh. You know, they, they beat Alabama uh, 21 to 7. I'm not saying they were bad, but they were just – they were not what everybody thought they were going to be with all the talent they had coming back. It's hard to do, which, again, is a credit to Nick Saban and his ability to do it. It's why he's – in a place nobody else has. Kirby Smart's trying to figure out, how do I get my team ready to play every week? A team that's got enough talent to think, hey, we're in the playoffs. We just need to be playing our best in December. We need to worry about December. When you better worry about what's going on right now. It's not easy to do. And I think Georgia's learning a little bit of that lesson right now. Yeah, no doubt. And so, I mean, obviously those games are going to loom large for Tennessee. Uh, like, like we mentioned earlier, the 330 kick for Tennessee coming back against Alabama. It's going to be a treacherous month of October. But, again, all of a sudden, something I heard you, I think it was on Josh and Swain last week, this gauntlet, if you want to call it that, it's not what it has been in years past. It's very – the next couple of weeks is very doable for Tennessee compared to what it's been in recent, in recent well, years. Well, you're talking about 2016 when Tennessee played Florida, Georgia, beat both those teams, and then had to go to a top-10 A&M team and then back home for Alabama in a four-week span. This year they play Pitt, Cupcake the next week, Florida, bye week, LSU-Bama, then you get UT Martin, Kentucky, Georgia, and then, of course, you close it out with Missouri and, and South Carolina Vanderbilt. But, like, you have these buffers, whether it's the bye week or a lesser opponent, um, to kind of to kind of have that cushion in there. So, yeah, I do think that that's different. I still think this is a big game. 
from a standpoint of like just getting over the hump. You got over the hump against Pitt in a small way. You got over the hump against Florida in a big way just because of the, the nature of that rivalry. But go beat LSU. That's another upper echelon SEC program. Maybe they're not what they were the last few years, but they're still have they're not void of talent. Winning on the road in this league is hard. Look at Georgia and Missouri last week, how close that was. We just talked about it. So you go and win at Tiger Stadium against LSU. To me, that it's it, this this whole thing is a climb the ladder type deal, right? You, you've climbed the first few rungs. I don't count the Ball State and Akron games, but you've climbed the first few rungs. Can you climb the next rung? Um, and if you could only see me as we tape this, as I'm, 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 I'm so driven with my hands as I climb. Well, you're, um, you're, you're real quick. You're saying I, climb you know, a ladder. And I mean, yeah. you know, people listening are saying just lay that one brick and then that one brick and that one brick. Right. I, I thought Austin was doing his Richard Simmons um, sweating to the oldies routine so, there. I'm not so, sure what he was doing. So again, like it, for, for any of us that have sat here and watched this program for the last 20 years, like these are the games that Tennessee's struggled to get over the hump in. So, like, to me, this is just another hill you have to get across. And, and, it, it, and, you know, they obviously have some things that have went Tennessee's way in terms of game time and all that stuff, but you still got to go get it done go do it. Yeah, can they take advantage of it? I mean, that's the bottom line. And, and we're seeing, you know, Tennessee's put themselves in a position where, where you want to be. Um, you know, Arkansas's not been able to do that. Texas A&M's not been able to do that. That's why we're having conversations about Tennessee being – the third best team in the league. No doubt. It's a big one coming up on Saturday, Tennessee and LSU. Can the balls get to five and O we will find out and we'll continue to preview that matchup as the week goes on $1 for one year, VolQuest.com. Take advantage and also support the site on YouTube as well by searching VolQuest for awesome prize. Rob Lewis, Brent hubs. I am Eric Kane. Thank you so much for listening to the VolQuest podcast and enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.